We're in the Me Too generation, so we have to be very gentle. You wouldn't have your job if you weren't beautiful. It's very sad. I wouldn't choose to be alone with him. This is a journey. Love tweeted Saturday saying, although I wasn't one of his victims, I was eternally banned by CAA for speaking out against Harvey Weinstein. New dimension, new value. For years, men have been getting a whole pizza delivered to them every day, and now women just want half of the pizza, and men are like, what? Why the fuck am I getting half a pizza all of a sudden? There seems to be, seems to be vital signs of people rushing to take offence to catcalling and wolf whistling. Now, the only people who are taking offence to this are extreme feminists. It's a genius thing that the patriarchy have done. They have made gender-based violence a thing that women deal with. And it's not their problem, it's men's problem. Please, uh, would you mind saying that again? One day I saw a guy trying to take a picture of my skirt. I was getting out of the car with bags and a dog. I didn't actually realise until the picture was in the paper and someone printed this shit. This sort of behaviour, we have to adopt a zero tolerance policy. I think the world's gone mad. Somebody brushed your knee 15 years ago. This is complete nonsense. Now, it's not doing the reputation of Parliament any good. And I can't believe that women are being so wimpish these days. Oh, my God. Feminism is not about females being powerful, it's about redressing a balance and it's about equality and feminism is a very necessary thing for young men to have and if you want to know, if you think you're a feminist, let a woman pay for your dinner and see how you feel about that. If you're cool with that, you're a feminist. If you're not, you need to look at yourself. If you've ever tried to tell someone to stop talking in the cinema, to keep it down a little bit, you'll know. It's hard to summon the courage to tell anyone face to face you disagree with their language or their actions at the best of times. But when it's your family, the people you love the most, the people you've shared your life with and the people who taught you right from wrong, uh, it becomes even trickier. Uh, when they do something or say something you regard as out of line or offensive or just something not quite right, something problematic for you, something that contributes to a culture that you recognize, that we all recognize as intolerance or something undermining, something mildly racist. You know the stuff I'm talking about. Do you have the right to call them out on it? Is there a good way to do it? A way that won't result in anger, being told to mind your own business. What is that method? And why is this on us? Is this on you at all? Is there ever really any responsibility on you as a man or a woman attempting to be better to keep others in check? From Irishman Abroad Podcast, this is Men Behaving Better, Episode 6, Season 1, the Calling Out episode, recorded live at the Other Palace Theatre in London on December 6th, 2018. Huge thanks to everyone who packed the theatre on this night for our double episode recording. The other half of this recording will be out very soon. But on the night, it was fantastic fun and really invigorating, let's say. If you couldn't make it, and I know loads of our listeners can't, uh, I want to thank you if you emailed me to contribute to the conversation. I had lots of people getting in touch before this recording to tell me about their experiences of calling out their family members and their friends, particularly interesting emails on WhatsApp groups that lads have had to leave and stag parties that they've had to pull up mid-party. 
you can do the same as these people by emailing me at irishmanabroadpodcast, singular, irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com to take part, to continue, to move forward the conversation. If you have an idea for a guest or an episode, I want to hear from you. The other way to contact me is via Patreon. Our Patreon page is, of course, where you can support this show. This is a crowd-funded podcast. No sponsors, just you. Gain access to the bonus content that we provide for in return for your support and gain access to more than 275 interviews I've done over the last six years and our other bonus series. That's all over at patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad for a very small fee. Welcome to another episode of Men Behaving Better, live from the Other Palace Theatre. I'm your host, Charlotte Regan, and tonight I'm joined by Sophie Hagen, Kevin McGahern, and Eleanor Tiernan. Keep it going for me as I go to the stage. It's me, Charlotte Regan. Wow, what, what a bunch of pro-audience members you guys truly are. That was superb. Thank you so much. Christmas is nearly here. Uh, it will be here before you know it, although that has never happened to anyone. Nobody has ever been presented with a gift on Christmas Day and been like, sorry, what the fuck is this about? Uh, a time for eating, drinking, giving, sharing, and if possible, gathering around the table with your family for an argument. It, uh, it obviously depends on where you grew up, who you grew up with, but it takes a lot less than asking your brother to reconsider the context in which he uses the term gay to spark an argument in most houses during the Christmas season. But that is exactly what our episode tonight is about, calling out family members. Is it possible to raise an issue with a member of your kin over the language, behavior or views, sexist or otherwise, without causing a rift, or as my parents refer to it, ruining the Christmas? Is, is it even your job to call them out on sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, biased or discriminatorical language? Do we have to accept them for who they are and just agree to visit less. Here to discuss it, <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that, uh, that, that you, there will be jokes and your opportunity to laugh is there. Uh, here to discuss it is a man who is beloved for his stand-up and documentary making in Ireland, exposing the dark corners of our culture, like a Louis Theroux from Cavan. Charming and brilliant, Kevin McGahern was also uh, the lead in the superb motion picture, No Party for Billy Burns. Will you please give it up for our first guest of the evening, Kevin McGahern. Thank you very much. Hello, Charlotte. Kevin, thank you so much for doing the show. I mean, I'm so happy you did this because I know that we seem to have had conversations about this very thing in the past. Have where, we? Yeah, well, we've definitely, we both had very rural Irish upbringings. Very true. Where we were surrounded by people that didn't go into the creative arts. Very, uh, very right. delicately put. Yes. Um, but like, I think that is a shared experience we have and a lot of men have where you feel like, am I the only one that sees that this is all wrong? Did you early on in life start calling people out or is your kind of wokeness that we see in you now something that's new in the Kevin McGarren life? No, I... I think I was too afraid. 
I grew up in a very, very small place, only about this big. Um, and it was, I wasn't good at football, so mm-hmm. I had very little respect from uh, the peers. So I think I found the best way was was through humor, mm-hmm. through ridicule. Um, if you can make fun of somebody because they have a belief that you disagree with strongly, and if you can make all of their friends laugh, then that's a huge victory. But you grew up at the same time as me. Uh, but I, I couldn't be preachy. You can't be preachy. Yeah, well, well, let's get there, right? Because I felt like there was the 80s and 90s in Ireland. I didn't know what gay was, but I was informed that I was that every day. And uh, yeah, and it every didn't... Every single day. Every single day. Uh, for, for like the most basic things. Uh, owning a comb uh, was one. Uh, <laughs> Um, liking basketball, I mean, that, that in and of itself, I mean, there seemed to be a hush that descended over the room <laughs> that suggested that you agreed with that sentiment. But, uh, you know, I, you know I, struggled. I struggled with it a lot, and I struggled with those guys a lot, to the point where I think for a large part of my 20s, I had a bias against country Irish guys who held very conservative opinions. Were you surrounded by the same guys, and were... Were you presented with this kind of idea that, you know, gay's bad, uh, girls are mysterious hmm. and not to be trusted? Um, definitely the second part. But I think because I, I came from a place very small. Where, do you, where are you from again? The Curra of Kildare, which the is Curra like of Kildare. Ireland's desert. So, <laughs> uh, it is uh, just plains. There's grass. Like, there's no sand. It's in the place of grass. There's, or in the place of sand, there's grass, horses, and sheep. I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a thing with small towns in Ireland are tough mm. to grow up in. But I was in a small village. And if somewhere is so small, there's very little kind of bullying in it because everyone just knows everyone. And my family was from like a football dynasty. So I kind of okay. had that. I sailed on, sailed on their successes for a while. I didn't know that. Um, so, no, I didn't really have that hard of a time. But then, like I hear friends of mine who grew up in like places like Tralee or like where you're from. Once the town gets big enough for that kind of sneering, ha ha, ha, once you hear that... Those sort of animal honkings. Um, yeah, that can be a tough place to grow up in for a sensitive boy like you. I know, and uh, that is for sure. Uh, I mean, what's the biggest argument you've sparked in your house by calling someone out on something they've said? Oh, well, let's see. Let's go through Ireland's history. Um, we had... Uh, we had like the big changes in Ireland over the last few years. We had the same-sex marriage referendum, that was accepted fairly easily in our house. There was a few jokes. My dad likes to make jokes, mm-hmm. so um, like I was, you know, I would arrive down and I I wanted to make sure they were voting the right way, uh, and I was just like really pumped up and like <laughs> I had this whole speech prepared how I was going to convince my parents. And um, my dad would just sort of make jokes about it. And I was like, no, no, just stop joking. Just tell me how you're voting on this. And he would say, oh, you know, me and the gays, Ash, you have to stand behind them. And I was like, no, dad, <laughs> stop making jokes. Then there was the abortion referendum. Again, they, that was an easy enough kind of sell to them. Sounds like a pretty evolved kind of house. Right? I'm like I'm do I'm being but way you, too nice to them right, actually. But but let's face it, that's not all the McGarrens. But th- so what, I, what uh, I was getting to was 
the recent, I don't know if you know, we had a presidential election. We elected mm -hmm. uh, somebody from Lord of the Rings again. Um, and he's amazing. Uh, he's about this tall. Um, but what, there was a, a guy, Peter Casey, who came out and he had no platform at all. He had nothing to say. Last in the polls. Apart, last much. in the polls. And a week before he just came out and just basically said, fuck travellers. And a fifth of the country voted for him. Yeah. Uh, it, well, that, it, like, people the, said he didn't just say fuck travellers I mean he pretty much did though but the but this was the argument of and the reason why it resonated and he finished second in the election having gone from nothing to that in a week mm. is because he articulated these kind of things that we're talking about calling out tonight these opinions that are kind of held behind closed doors set at the corner of your mouth yeah. when five pints are on board sure and people quietly agreed with them and in the privacy of a balloting box they voted for yeah. your parents agreed with them i don't no they, did, they didn't vote for him but you would be hard pressed to hard pressed to find a pub in ireland where people would challenge that opinion mm. the traveler discussion is still like we felt oh so superior when uh, britain voted for brexit and so superior when America voted for Trump, and this was our this was our moment to what's the opposite of shine? Um, so that that's still a discussion. That's still something we have to get over. Okay, let me say this to you, Kevin, because you sound very laid back about all of this. Maybe right? it's just the way I'm Do you think that your <laughs> that because of your lack of struggle, you don't see the urgency in saying calling bullshit when you see it? calling it out. It's a thread that's run through the series so far that one of the behaviours that all men have to change is when they hear their friends saying it, they don't allow it to pass. No, I do. I do call it out. Uh, when? Tell me. I'm asking you. You want anecdotes? I want, I, want, I want to know when are you calling out people because that's what this is about today. How do we do it? <laughs> what's the language to use? And do we have a right to do it at all? I think what's important is that when you're trying to change somebody's mind on something, uh, it's important not to be arrogant over it. Like, oh, I've reached this amazing point in my development where I feel like I'm evolved more than, than you. I will you. bestow this wisdom upon yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. People react really, really negatively You've to that. You've done that? Uh, I used to do that. And I kind of learned because that does not work. I've learned that if you want to change somebody's mind, you have to... You have to reach. It's like you're trying to bring somebody across the river. You have to reach to them. You have to meet them halfway. For the for the abortion referendum and for the same-sex marriage, I had conversations with people where uh, I was very much aware of where they were from, of the kind of beliefs that they were brought up with, and the kind of arguments that would work on them. Um, I think one of the failures of, of Brexit and Trump is that some members of the left were really, really arrogant about it, and they started... Once you call somebody a racist or you call somebody a homophobe, you've kind of shut down the argument. Mm. I know that's probably what they are. <laughs> yeah. But you have to keep yourself in check. And Well, I think I've got someone waiting in the wings who would disagree with you. All right. Our next guest uh, is Sophie Hagen. She's an Edinburgh Comedy Award winner, a podcast innovator, activist, and Danish legend. She has in the past uh, tried to call out the behaviour of her family and says it has literally never gone well. Will you please put your hands together for Sophie Hagen, everybody? 
See, so as, I, as I'm hearing Kevin talk, yeah. I'm just going, I'm just thinking, I think Sophie will disagree with pretty much most of what you're saying here. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, um, oh, I have, you know when you have so much to, to say that it's, it's all trying to come out at once? I think I disagree with even posing it as a question if we should call people out, because we should. Absolutely, there's 100, there's no doubt. We have to. Well, could I pause you there? If yeah, we're, please if we're, do. If, we're, if you're worried about it all coming out at once, that's, <laughs> that's a core of this, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, what we're all wrestling with is when your dad says something and you go, Duh, I, don't, I don't know, he's, he's, he's not got that long left, Right? What? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much straight, that's straight talking right there. He's well, not going to be around that long. What is the fucking point well, of trying to disabuse him of these notions that he's held for so long that aren't really going to impact the world other than the golf club that he drinks in? So when you say he doesn't have long, do you, are we talking like hours? <laughs> or, or will he be around other people? Before he dies, or will he uh, be able to vote mm. before he dies? Yeah, solid points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. um, but you do take on board my, my point that, like, the Irish thing that we're wrestling with here is that those elderly people want anything for a peaceful life. This is, this is where the rocking of the boat is so difficult in my country, because they're just like, Jesus, Charlotte. Why can't you just leave it? And if a door get like I, I used to say that conflict resolution in an Irish household is a door slamming. Why are you bringing this up again? We slam the door, the conversation is over. I don't I mean, think that's calling, what we're dealing with. I don't think calling people out or in is ever fun. It, it doesn't matter who it is or where it is or with whom it is. It's always uncomfortable and it's always really tricky and difficult and oh it's so hard but I think the general rule that I try to live by and what I picked up as the rule I want to follow is uh, safety over comfort and that includes like your own safety if you know if calling someone out is actually dangerous to you which yeah. very rarely is it's just really annoying but also yeah it's uncomfortable and it's tiring and all of that but if that leads to other people being safe, which is, if we want to get uh, really into the consequences of oppressive behavior, it's fucking dangerous. Can I swear? Mm. It's fucking dangerous uh, for but, a lot so of people. So do you not believe in picking your battles? You I, believe well, in fighting all of them? Well, so then there's the other point, which is we're all horrifically problematic. Like we're all... Like, all white people are racist. All, uh, well, everyone's sexist, everyone's transphobic, everyone's homophobic, everyone's fatphobic. We're all of these things because we grew up in this culture that taught us to be that. So we're always going to fuck up, and other people around us will always fuck up. So we can spend every minute of every day checking ourselves and each other, which, and I think... I don't, I, don't, I don't think... There, I think there's a bunch of people in this room that would disagree that they're all those things that you just said Oh, yeah, said there's those are. on Twitter as we well. All, we, all like, we would all like to think that we're none of those things. But yeah. I do hear what you're saying is we bring our bias. We yeah, bring the bias of that... of course we do. Just by being raised in these tiny towns and not being exposed to, being ignorant of these cultures, yeah, and we you can't are change, on some level biased. 
we can't change anything if we don't acknowledge that. So it's one thing to call out our grandparents. It's another thing to have to acknowledge how you are complicit mm. in other people's right. oppression. So turn it to on yourself too. Yeah. So is that the key in your mind to having these conversations is, look, look at me. I do this too. Or can you <laughs> tell me about your experience of these call-outs that you've done? Because if you're going after each and every one, I don't imagine that your parents are enjoying these visits. I don't, I don't, ha I mean, my mother does not have, she, we moved from where we lived because the people around us t were incredibly racist and they were trying to teach. It was a tiny, tiny village. It became like a village thing. And my mom was like, she started picking up that we were getting these messages. So she was like, fuck that, we're moving. Was this as you were, when you were younger? Yeah, I was 10. Okay. So she moved us to uh, what was uh, known as like the biggest ghetto in the north of Copenhagen. So she was like, fuck it, you've been exposed to that? Going in the opposite direction. It was great. She's amazing at that. So I think she was probably the first person to call me out. Uh, and since then, she's just listened. So she'll be quiet for three years <laughs> and then still be like, what, what is, um, what's trans? And I'll just explain it to her and she'll go, oh, okay, cool. And that's it. So she's cool about that. It's the same reason why we don't really spend time with the family that's, that we don't like. It's just not a thing. Uh, Christmas at our house is me and my mom and my sister. And I tried to call out my grandparents, God, the longest arguments for, well, until we stopped seeing them. It just didn't. It's never happened. It's my original point right there, right? <laughs> that eventually you don't see them anymore. Yeah. And you so wonder, not, uh, was it worth like... having all those arguments in the time I had with them? Yeah, of course you've, it was. You've cut your Christmas presents in half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know oh, don't undermine. I don't know, is it worth it? Don't undermine the, also, the uh, guilt of a, of a single mother. <laughs> but also, Sophie, you, you talk about, you know, well, then we don't see those people if we don't agree with them. But that, again, is I, no doubt something in this room, that not everybody has that luxury. I, for example, and I'm not saying it is my brother, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get away from him. I'm not, I can't get away from him. I, I like, th this is the desert island we're stuck on. The Regan family home at Christmas. How am I going, and this is my parents' argument, is like, how do you want the ecosystem to work? You standing on top of a rock, waving your fist, or you going, well, you're entitled to your opinion. And that is their argument. Okay, I'm so entitled that, to my own opinion. So my, I think That's the, a pretty good impression of your brother. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, um, I think we have to be realistic about the uh, impossibility of calling out every single problematic person you meet and come across. Both because your own mental health would just be completely fucked if you had to do that all mm. the time because there's so much of it and so, I mean... And also, it's just, it's, it's just impossible to do that. So I know what you mean about picking your battles, but there's a diff I think what I won't say is that it's okay to pick your battles, but I understand that we need to sometimes do that because we can't do what's the... That's the same thing as saying we're all racist. It's like, yeah, we, I'm not going to say it's okay for us to be this. That It's not okay, but we are. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Like, yeah, you should... Always call out everything you see. That is the right thing to do, the morally right thing to do. That's your obligation. Can see, you? Probably not. See, my fear of calling out 
people all the time is that it eventually they just shut down. They're just like, oh, listen, you're just a lefty Lula. I'm not listening to anything you yeah, say anymore. You become that guy. You become that guy. And then, then they just like dismiss everything you say. Yeah. Well, That's welcome to my life. <laughs> I do. I want to bring out a third guest. <laughs> to me, she's one of the most uniquely persuasive people I've met in my life. From Australia to Chicago, Eleanor Tiernan has killed it on stage for the last 10 years in stand-up. And off stage, she was a star of Ireland's number one satirical sketch show. Uh, you might have seen her on Stuart Lee's alternative comedy experience. Will you please put your hands together for Eleanor Tiernan, everyone. <laughs> So much. Thanks, Jar. Thanks a lot, Eleanor. Thanks for uh, being here. You, uh, when we discussed this briefly over email, uh, <laughs> I was reminded of how easily I am convinced by you. I don't know if it's the economy of language that you use. It's a when tone. It's a it tone is. of voice. I think it is. I think I have. Yeah. Yeah. I don't you, you're aware of it. Right? Tend to keep it quite monotone. You don't, uh, <laughs> like, you don't, you're not someone who gets in stand-up rows, although I'm sure you've been in them, but you've said that you've had experience of calling out your family and eventually them coming round, right? I, for, first, I'll, I'll say the one thing I wish I had a conversation with my family about was whether or not they listened to podcasts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll be finding out, uh, I guess, afterwards. The, the other thing as well is um, Jarlath and Kevin have kind of uh, staked a claim on being uh, from quite, uh, you know, rural backward counties in Ireland. But uh, I'm actually from the county that won the award for the least woke county in Ireland. It's called Roscommon. Uh, <laughs> And we did this back in the um, uh, the referendum on uh, g uh, gay marriage. I was going to call same-sex marriage. Get your turns right, Eleanor. Uh, uh, we we were the county that uh, were the we the we the only county. That Literally had a the, low, only the only county. That voted it was the only county. It was the only county. Uh, it was the only county. Didn't want it. As it uh, and loads of people voted no. Presumably, I think because they were uh, uh, they were uncomfortable about homosexuality and hoping that by voting no, they could reduce the amount of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> As Maybe this will teach yeah. them. Yeah. But yeah, we do. Um, I have had the old um, uh, conversations, and I actually I agree with. This is so, sounds so lame. Uh, I agree with both Kevin and Sophie. I agree with Sophie uh, slightly more um, <laughs> because I think yes, you have to do it, but you you also have to acknowledge all the privilege that you have in the situation, and that's not easy to see all of the time. And the one thing we haven't said here tonight is ageism. Uh, and that is a big part of the social justice mm -hmm. uh, movement. You know, we're not calling that out enough. And it's part of our, uh, our conversations with, with, like we're talking about older members of our, of our family. But I think there's a, there's a level of grace we can bring to those uh, conversations and acknowledge, I guess, the way that a lot of these older family members have really, I guess, uh, you know, they've, they've just given so much to all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't even know how to I'm glad you phrase it. it. I'm really glad you raise it because to me that's at the core of my reason for not calling out is the condescension of it. That it's not just, oh, well, we won't be around that long. I, I may as well have a peaceful life. It's that thing that you said about, well, I'm going to bestow this language upon you because I am in a man of the world now. It's the college. condescension of, of going... 
Now, I know that you grew up in little old Ireland and trying to, you know, just talk down to them. I find it very hard to, to call out anything among anyone. It's true, but it, it doesn't, I don't think it means you don't do it. I think you still do it, but I think you still... I think we just have to have that. There's loads of stuff we have to be try and be aware of when we're introducing okay. ideas to people. I, I had it with my... Uh, around the repeal uh, referendum in Ireland. Uh, it was uh, tricky. Um, my dad, I could tell by talking to him, he wasn't intending on voting for uh, repealing the Eighth Amendment. And I took that so personally because I felt he was, it was just something he was doing to me, that he, he wasn't recognising my situation, that that was something that might happen to me. And, you know, I, I guess I pushed it as far as I could with him and I gave him all the, all the arguments I, I, I could. Give me, I, need, I think this conversation is lacking specifics. Would you tell us how you gave them these arguments because that to me is but sure like, there's so many there were so sure, many arguments. arguments i can't how how do you deliver them without it being like uh, through the medium of, of whatsapp actually oh, okay, right. <laughs> i had okay. some very very long long messages and, and you know I, I could i could probably read them back uh, yeah <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's interesting it's not face to face it's not over the phone it's actually better to compose your words and put them down somewhere in it, your it, it, Well, that's the method I chose. I don't know if it was the best method because it might have been a more human interaction mm-hmm. if I had given him the, I guess, the, that more heartfelt version of the reasoning. But um, let me finish up and, and, and I, I finish that part because uh, I did go home to Ireland uh, for the referendum and my dad, even though we, I never... I, I couldn't ask him in the end how he voted in it, but he did do me the favour of driving me from the airport in Dublin to the polling station in Ireland and back up to the airport again, which was like a an 80-mile round trip. Wow. You know, so I, I guess it, it just feels it, it would be just really immature and ungrateful for me to kind of go, what a prick. You know? <laughs> also, the other thing he wasn't doing, he wasn't sitting me down to try and change my mind uh, on the situation, which I guess it, it wouldn't be right for him to do that, but I, I have to acknowledge his, his grace in just you know, uh, holding his own position and, and not feeling that he needs to... He, he was allowing me to have my position on it. Panty uh, Bliss, who's a campaigner in Ireland throughout all of this, recommended a letter, if there's a major call-out that needs to be done, that a letter is really a lost art form and something there's something really beautiful and considered about the letter. And it doesn't matter how much of a uh, remainer you are, you'll read a letter written to you that arrives in through the door. There's nearly something romantic about it. To me, the issue is Christmas, this, or just across the table, face to face. So what I thought I'd do is i give you a couple of things I've heard in my life yes. said to me that you believe, you tell me, how would you call it out? And then tell me if you think I did. It's like a game show. <laughs> yeah. Well, it spices things up a little bit, right? <laughs> Why not? Okay. No theme tune. All right, here we go. And uh, apologies for the accent, but that is how this person sounded. (laughs) I'm not saying, right, 
I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm not that way. I'm, that's not who I am. What I am saying is, I hire a lot of them. I've got a lot of them. And I'm just saying, on average, the black guys are lazier. And it went, like, I did a short version there because the considerate and qualification of it went on for a while, but that was the punchline to that sentence. So, how am I talking to that guy? Because clearly, Sophie, that's one where you go, that's got to be called out right now. Uh, what, what would you do in the hypothetical situation where you repeating that is problematic in itself? What would I do? Yeah. I, I, I would like, say if you if, had a problem with me repeating it, then you should have objected to the whole section of what we're doing here. Because no, I think you is, can talk about, you can, I mean, this, <laughs> this isn't it's a fun very game hard show at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I see how it's, I see, okay. What's the problem with re repeating that and um, trying to gauge how one should react when said something like that? So the first, I remember a few years ago, I was uh, talking about a very, uh, I was in my friend's room and we were sitting like by the table and her housemate was with her friend in the other corner, we were just both having a conversation and I repeated a racist joke that I'd heard as like, oh my God, can you believe that this person said this? And uh, my friend's housemate's friend said, excuse me, I don't want to hear that. And I was like, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. I was like, I didn't, it wasn't me who said it. Like, I disagree with it. Don't you worry. And she was like, yeah, but like, I have to listen to that shit every single day. And I didn't, like, it doesn't matter to me if you meant it or if someone else said it. I have to hear that again. And that has so much, so much attached to it that I have to, like, now I have to relive that. It doesn't matter who said it or what like you the, think about the it. The distance you put between it means nothing to her. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's like, it's the reason why people don't say the N-word. Yeah, because I we don't. I'd, I'd agree we... with that person in that situation. But we're in a kind of an academic discussion of how we <laughs> are to deal with such terrible things. I think I framed it in a context in which I'm going to say something that I fucking don't agree with and enraged me at the time, but I didn't have the fucking head on my shoulders or heart in my chest to go, you know what? I don't want to have pints with you ever again. Good luck. I didn't do it. How would you call it out if we set aside your issues with me saying it? Uh, unsuccessfully, I believe is the... <laughs> Um, what I like to do is, um, and it's, it, this is me chickening out of, when I, when I chicken out of calling people out, is I kind of, um, I do that thing where in my head I try to convince myself that they know it's wrong. So I'll say, so someone will say something horrific and I'll go, <laughs> yeah, can you believe people actually say that? That's so, they're so horrible when they say that, aren't they? And I can see some people go, oh no, she didn't know that I meant it. And then they go, oh, sometimes. Other times people get, um, is that call, aggressive. Is that calling it out? Uh, well, that depends what happens next, doesn't it? Mm. That's part of the... Like, I, I, um, I don't think... We, uh, for me, that doesn't fall into the category of fair play to you. That doesn't fall into the category of, Jesus, Sophie, that's really courageous of you. That's more like a, a little dig at the person that did the thing rather than going, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. And that, to me, is what the, the call-out is, is about. I, I walked around with the guilt of not turning to him as I saw, because you know, you, you prepare the words then for the 48 hours later where I go, you know, a lot of similar things were said about Irish people. And yet here we are. Putting on a podcast. Putting on a fucking <laughs> podcast. 
and getting in semi-arguments with the guests. Um, Could be argued is the laziest form of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, very true. Um, I, I, maybe we go down the row and, Kev, what do you do in that situation? Um, Are you? Well, I was kind of, I was that that sentence was said to me in a different accent. I was visiting a buddy in Chicago. A school friend who, as far as I knew, was the same as me, and pretty cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> Just called myself cool. Um, but yeah, he you know started working on sites in Chicago, and then. Uh, just yeah, had pretty much it was the same sentence. It was just like yeah, the 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 black lads are lazy, you know, and mm. I was shocked uh, uh, to start, and I was thinking maybe he's just surrounded by. It was like uh, he spent enough time there that the racism sort of seeped in. From sure, the you knew he meant it. You knew there was no joke here. Yeah, and it was just I was just surprised to come from. He would have never said anything like this mm-hmm. when we were mates in school. What'd so I, I, because he's my friend, I tried to, I guess, academic, academically unpack it and say, well, maybe it's just because we're, we're like, we are humans. We recognize differences. And so if you're one color, you recognize the other color more than yeah. your own color. So maybe you're just, um, maybe there's Irish lads on the site who are equally That's how you as lazy. Maybe you're not seeing the white lads that are asleep. There you go. It's literally um, how you did it with them. Uh, how was it's, the response it's like, to that? It's like when people, you know, uh, certain people read articles uh, and it's like, oh, um, somebody robbed a shop. Some people immediately try and like scour through the article to find out, mm-hmm. well, what colour was he? Yeah, well, and if it's the Daily it, Mail, they'll the white, let you know straight away. Yeah, those yeah, are, yeah, those yeah, are exactly. highlighted as the yeah. tags on the article. If it's, if it's the same colour as them, then they go, oh, okay. But if it's a black lad, uh, then they're like, right, I'm going to make a little bit of note. Yeah, confirms that. my and, bias. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. add that to the list of other articles I've read. So, yeah, as, as humans, some of us tend to collect these stories, you know. So that's how you... Yeah, because he's it. my friend. I don't want to lose him as a friend. Mm. So I, wa- I wanted to, like, slowly and, break it down yeah, and, and change this, his mind. You this know? was a friend. Not anymore, as, as it would happen. Elner. What are you Uh, doing in that situation? So I find myself in these situations, as I am in a lot of other areas, constantly doing power negotiations in my head (laughs) about what can I, how much of myself can I afford to show these people? And I guess it, it depends on the relationship I have with the person. If it's somebody that books a comedy club, I'm less likely to so call true. them out on on their stuff. Uh, for and it's a thing. This is a thing that happens more often. I think um, for me is is that I'll get booked by a comedy club. But oftentimes the the club owner maybe doesn't like booking women, uh, and they'll often give me a little test to see whether I'm uh, one of the going to be one of the lads or whether they can talk. Um, disrespectfully about people in front of me so they'll say something disrespectful about somebody and that's a test for me as to whether or not I'm going to be a you know you know an argumentative person in that situation they'll say Asher you're all right but most female comedians are shite Uh, and I've seen that being done to you I think I've been in the room yeah when they've done it and, and they watch I, you. I wish I wish I was I was braver at calling them out, but a lot of the time I'm I'm not. Well, can mm. I, like there's there's something about when you call something out that affects you personally, like when you as a woman have to stand up against sexism, uh, or as a fat person have to stand up against fatphobia. It hurts so much more 
to be shut down. I try, I try to call that fat phobia because no one else fucking will. And each time when someone comes back with a, well, wh- what do you mean? I've not, that's not, I'm just saying, I just think, and I, if I want to be, th- blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's like your own like humanity and dignity and being denied to your face is so much harder. Where actually, I was in, I did a, a show, and the promoter, the, <laughs> the producer, started explaining to me how a microphone worked. And like, not even the technical stuff, just like, uh, the thing is, when you hold it really close to your mouth, uh, the sound is louder, and then when you take it far away, it, like, they can hear you less. Was this in the, like, 1890s? When was this, like? <laughs> it was last fucking month, and I'd been doing stand-up for eight years, and I was like, I, and I couldn't gather Do you think my... he'd just got this information himself? It's <laughs> <laughs> so like, no. guys, you're not going to believe how these things work. And there was a, so there was a, a male comic in um, in the room, and uh, later he he said to me, "Wow, that that thing that that guy said." I was like, "Yeah, I know." And he said, "Yeah, I just had to leave, otherwise I would have said something." And I was like, "Fucking say something!" Mm. Like that's what I need because I can't say anything. This guy's obviously like a misogynist. He's not going to listen to me. Yeah. So we need the the man comic. I, who's had, like, I had to leave before I'd say something. It's a pretty shitty thing to hear. Yeah. 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 And that's like what I mean. Like, it, it would be wonderful if you didn't have to do that. If, if the other... Oh, that's, you know, I want to bring you into, like, you're now on my side kind of thing. But, like, that's the thing. If we didn't have to do this ourselves, everything would be so much... And, you know, it, it's lovely that you bring that up and that we come to this point, right? Because that is the core of the series, is the lads up in their game and fulfilling responsibilities... What are we like? ...that we've kind of <laughs> shirked in the past. Like, my last office job last proper job I had, my boss was notorious and was, you know, handsy, uh, lewd remarks, comments, everything was sexual innuendo, and I, I didn't do it. And I find, I don't know if you'd agree with this, that that is, uh, and over the course of the series, we found that that is the troublesome element in the men behaving better conversation, is... Kevin, you've got these friends, and as you say, you value these friends and you want to hold on to them. But when they kind of do, and this is another one I've heard a lot lately, is the hashtag MeToo used as a punchline in conversation. That like if somebody bumps into somebody or it's... So we talked about it with Nadine O'Regan and others about calling it out in your WhatsApp group. Have you had the experience of doing it and... Have you had the experience of going, you know what, I'm going to let this one fly? God, this feels like the McCarthy hearings. Um, <laughs> I, and I would remind you that you are under oath. <laughs> I nor have any member of my organization ever used hashtag me too as a punchline. But, but Kev, um, before you get going, we are clear that some of these WhatsApp groups that lads are in some of the most grotesque things you can imagine are said in them. Now, I, I'm, I'm not just saying this, but I'm not in one of those yeah. groups. But you, have you ever been in or around that kind um, of stuff? Sometimes when a stag is coming up, mm-hmm. you'll find yourself in a WhatsApp group with 20 men, and it is, it is looking into the abyss. Yeah. Some of the most horrific videos I've ever, ever encountered... Mm. No, I've I've one main WhatsApp group. It's um, sort of comedians, four comedians. I started off with three lads and one woman. Um, that's we just we said we'd have one woman in. Um, 
That's about all we're willing to take. Changed everything. <laughs> <laughs> and no, it's nothing like that kind of malarkey would just. Okay. It wouldn't go down well at all in our lovely little Well, group. maybe it's time to open it up to the floor then. Please, Is there any, Christ, yes. uh, questions from the audience in, in this? Uh, because I think we're, you know, we're getting close to our time. And obviously there's, there's so much more uh, to cover here. Because this is the beginning of this conversation. And as this series progresses, we'll move away from live and go down the path of meeting individuals. And hopefully meeting individuals who are conflict resolution specialists to maybe talk uh, in the quiet of an office about what the theory is around changing people's minds and doing it in the appropriate way. Anyone want to throw a question up or even just raise an item of discussion that you think has been neglected within this? Anyone? Oh, okay. Shout it down. I'll repeat it into the microphone. Um, So I grew up in a house of three daughters and sons. My parents raised amazing independent women. And are then surprised that we're all feminists? <laughs> think the gender pay gap doesn't exist? Think that when you put a woman into a position of power and she makes a mistake, that actually that equates to all women? And well, you put one in there, and so that means we can't put anyone in there because she messed up. How do you then start a conversation without nobody speaking for a week? Which every time you say something like that, you're like, oh yeah, that just sounds like. Um, How do you do that without everybody losing the plot? So, so the situation, just to repeat it for the listeners at home, is that you're raised in a house with girls where all of you grow up feminists and your parents are shocked by this. <laughs> Yet they raised you that way. How, how do you do it where you, you're aware that this will produce a week of no speaking? I mean, that to me is the rock and the hard place that I, that I bring up at the very start. That like when we talk about this, we are talking about the brass tacks of what cultural change is. That like I said to you when you arrived, if we're not going to say it to our folks, who are we going to say it to? That's my attitude. But then in the Regan House, I do have the reputation of an absolute troublemaker and a real uh, a problem and don't get them going. But I'd rather be that. Like I'd absolutely take that any day. And I think in answer to your question, (laughs) they'll eventually, if you do it enough, I think eventually, like, is there, is there not any element of pride, uh, in your parents where they're like, they're very proud of the job they've done. The morning of the abortion referendum, my dad made all of us cry because two of us were home for the abortion referendum. And my mother, it's a case of just don't fuck it. And my dad, we, we slowly worked on him. And we, were, <laughs> we thought he was going to vote no. And then he turned to us the morning of the abortion referendum and said, actually, this vote isn't about me. I'm voting yes because I know it might impact your lives. And we were like, what? It worked. <laughs> and it was amazing. So sometimes it works, then other times it creates yeah. One thing I found around the time of the um, marriage equality referendum, um, a way of getting my dad on board um, was to talk about it in terms of the 1960s civil rights movement, because that was something that his generation felt ownership of. And he could kind of kind of get it then once he felt like he was a bit of Rosa Parks 
uh, <laughs> in him he started to kind of feel mm. like yeah maybe I could I could uh, I, I can see why this is a good thing but I think it, it was going to an emotional level it wasn't with yeah. logic or or the, the, the very good reasons why you should I know we've got a lot of teachers in the room tonight and I'm not going to put them on the spot but I've always felt that and if you want to jump in on this you can that the best te- teaching method even though it sounds so cringy to say teaching but the best way of getting people to arrive at the conclusion you want them to arrive at is by making them think it was their idea right <laughs> can the teachers confirm if that is going on if if you agree with that as you know leading your your the person you're trying to convince down the path that way i have family members where if we're having an argument that i'm finding frustrating I'll start agreeing with them, and within five minutes, I will have them. Com- they will just to be argumentative. Will just uh, take the position that I first had. It's Amazing. beautiful. I mean, yeah, I think that's worth giving a try this Christmas. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, yeah that's. I mean, some people like, just it, like arguing. Yeah, well, I I know that uh, the the tip that I would always uh, that I've taken away from friends and not just family is that when alcohol is involved you do walk away you got to step back at that point in terms of yourself and them like i don't really drink anymore but like i'm sure we all have recollections of the worst rows of our lives completely lubricated by this drug that makes us all think we're right (laughs) most call outs arguments i have i sound like i'm doing call out videos um most arguments I have with family members, yeah, it's usually when I'm rotten drunk. And Have you ever gotten a physical altercation as a result of any of these? No. No, not physical, no. But, yeah, I get really rattled. And then I get, like, I, my heart starts beating and I get flustered and I'm arguing badly. And then my mother comes in and starts making sandwiches and just <laughs> says, like, no, okay, everyone just drop it. Nobody's allowed to talk about anything. And kind of, I get frustrated that she's shutting down the conversation, and it just it doesn't go well. It's and a, it's always around alcohol, yeah. So wise though to introduce soakage to the situation. <laughs> that is the the brilliance of the Irish mammy. I'll never uh, forget the uh, the mo- the the time I was. Uh, I, I, I can't remember what led up to it, but uh, my aunt. Uh, because it's particularly hard as a comedian often to bring seriousness into situations. Because oh, yeah. my aunt Eleanor said to me, will probably put this into a skit now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's one thing. But the other one is, God, you'd think for a comedian oh. she'd have a better sense of humour about herself <laughs> now. A hundred percent. And you can hear the start of that sentence and know exactly where it's going. <laughs> but they take so long to say, Jesus, and what is it you do for a living? <laughs> oh, that's interesting now. Hello, everyone. Sorry, I just wanted to add in, I've got a bit of a flu. Um, I just wanted to add in, especially being, um, I'm mixed race. My name's Roxanne. I was brought up by a white Irish mom, single parent from Limerick. So um, Catholic at that, we used to go to church five days a week. I'm gay and my dad's family is Jamaican. So I think just to back up Sophie's point, we really do need to call people out because the world is changing. Change is inevitable. We have kids in school also to the teachers that are now saying they are non-binary. Kids want to play with their gender, not saying they're going into transitioning and we shouldn't support that. I agree until they're of age to have, um, 
what do you call them, operations and stuff. But I think we do need to call people out because the world is changing. Kids are growing up different today. The fact kids are in school saying that they're non-binary. And if we just shut them out and keep saying, oh, no, it's ageism and it's ignorant. Like my granddad is an 87-year-old Irishman. I tell our granddad, I'm gal shag off. He still is very ignorant. He won't hear it. So especially being someone who's had to grow up in both, um, in a proximity of both, and I'm really close with both um, sides of my family, I definitely think we need to call people out just to make it easier for the, the kids coming up today because there are a lot of suicides. A lot of kids are taking their own life. It's all funny that we sit up here and we laugh and joke about how ignorant our family are around the table, but people are actually taking their lives you know people are finding it hard to survive in society today luckily for me i've got support from both families but i also have lost a lot of families especially the jamaicans my jamaican side are rastafarian so if you eat bacon you can be kicked out of the house on a saturday where well, i'm irish so i grew up on you know boiled bacon cabbage so yeah you know what i mean that alone is an argument for me um and even in my irish family i'm still the only person that's got any heritage in them i'm still the only mixed race person people come up to me at weddings funerals and say oh you're roxanne because they know who i am because everyone knows i'm brown so i get it from both sides i'll go in i'll go to jamaica and they'll laugh at me and call me white i'll go to Paddy's Day and they'll say what are you doing here when I've got an Irish passport you know the ignorance I think again sorry to keep saying our back Sophie but we definitely need to call people out because people should be able to express themselves whether you agree with that their choice of life it is humane to let people live how they want to live I think there's a fine line between oh yeah there's just an age and straight ignorance you know and I think we need to start making excuses for people if you're ignorant you're ignorant but we really need to call people out and I don't think the word is calling people out I think it's educating we need to educate the olders and and the youngers and even myself I was from Birmingham I was quite ignorant when I came to London because I'm not used to being around so much cultures but I quickly learned to to adapt and to speed up, you know, and open my mind. So just to send a high five across the room to Sophie and everybody else, not saying anybody else is shutting it down, but I definitely vote for keep calling people out. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, like I, I really think that at the core there, and I think maybe it's something that I uh, kind of hinted at here, is that this aversion to conflict is, is what's scaring you off. Can I Trying say, to educate, as you say. Can I say something? Because I think like, one of the main criticisms that the lefts or like the social justice warriors get is this thing of like, whoa, whoa, you're not going to get anywhere with aggression. Like, whoa, 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 like, you're, you're being too loud, you're shouty, so maybe just be really nice and try and be really kind to people. And how can you call out people without making them sad and making them feel uncomfortable? And I think there's something to say that I think every big change in history has happened because of aggression, because people used violence. I'm not saying, you know, but there, there is a part of it, you know. And people like to think of, oh, you know, oh, Gandhi, he just sat still, didn't he? And da 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 da, da. And, But there's, there's, you can always trace it back to someone demanding their right and demanding their space. And then that'll happen and they'll be... Uh, called dangerous and they'll be vilified in, in the media. And then someone will go... Oh, guys, should we have um, a bit of social change, maybe? And people will go like, oh, yeah, 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 that guy. But that, was, that would only happen because yeah. all There's the aggression has resistance. already happened. Yeah. So I think, and that was, like, my, the, the family member I changed uh, was my stepbrother. And we had hours and hours and hours of just aggressive conversations. And um, 
he was very capitalist and very uh, liberal, and I was very socialist and, uh, slash communist. And it was arguments and arguments and arguments, and it was so hard. And two years later, I came back to, he listened to Dubai, so I didn't see him that often. I came back, and he was like, oh, So, if you know what? Socialism, so great. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah? You just thought of that? He was like, Yeah, I just, you know, I just thought, and you know why? It's great, Sophie. And I was like, Holy shit, like he's giving me my own yeah. arguments I, uh, back. To say, it is one of the most annoying things in the world. I'm actually writing stand up about this very thing where you tell your parents about something, whether it's WhatsApp or uh, Google Maps. And they were shut it down. They shut down the idea. Don't be annoying me with that stuff now. And then six months later, they present the idea back to you because your brother told them all about it. But, yeah, but that's the thing. Like you will have you did all the hard work to begin with. But, yeah, but at the same time, you get the ball rolling. <laughs> at the same time, sometimes it takes someone they agree with. To, that's why it's hard for women to call out sexism because if someone's a sexist, there are. They're, automatically not going to listen to you because you're a woman and that makes it really difficult to have that conversation because they'll go Shh, you're being very shrill and you're like ah uh, <laughs> but it's like with I don't know if, if it translates directly over but like uh, with Bill Cosby so many women came forward and said that he was a rapist and then Hannibal Buress was like I think he's a rapist we were like oh my god what a great point I think he might be <laughs> so sometimes yeah. we, that's also why we need to call people out and why we need to call people out like why it's our obligation as white people to call out racism because we ha we have to let people white people listen to white people. So mm -hmm. we ha we have to. It's our it's our I'm not gonna say fault because that's a word, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it falls way, upon. It is, we all take to benefit from it. Yeah, we're all complicit in it. We're just about out of time. Uh, it, there is opportunity. Maybe if if there's anything you wanted to, I don't, always feel that like if you go, we're out of time, and that thing you were about to say, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Eleanor, did you want to get in with the final word, word before we close my, this? Down? I'll give you my my really pathetic uh, calling out uh, uh, situation. It was on a train uh, going to Cardiff earlier this year. Uh, in the as the trains are here, they can be overpacked. I was in the quiet carriage, and a stag weekend got onto the quiet carriage, and they just talked at the top of their voices in really aggressive language and everybody around the carriage was just had their head in their hands you know what, what are we going to do uh will they ever be quiet and then like really kind of violent language around women as well and then the woman in the t seat beside me i could see i could see the emails she was sending and she was sending them uh she was obviously working in some kind of domestic violence refuge and i was going oh god she's really hating this now this is really not up her street um, but anyway they got off a little bit sooner the, uh, than Cardiff anyway and uh, everybody was looking around the train going oh my god they're getting off uh, and I found the courage <laughs> to say to them as they were going I said have a nice weekend guys <laughs> <laughs> what a hero you told them oh my god oh what a beautiful way to finish <laughs> Eleanor Tiernan Sophie Hagen Kevin McGarren thank you so much for being our guest uh, This episode, as always, will be available on iTunes Southland. My thanks to our audience this evening, who were su superb. And uh, we'll see you next time for another episode of Men Behaving Better. Well, there you have it. It's our calling out episode of Men Behaving Better. And I have to say I'm really proud of it, particularly in the lead up to Christmas. I hope this episode is of some help to you. I don't know where I got to with it. 
I know that I'm blessed to have a family that are conscious, that are, inverted commas, woke. But occasionally things get said and maybe behaviours are, are, are manifested that are a remnant of a previous time. And the question of whether you call out your family is really down to you. I don't think that anyone on the show and in this episode is waving their finger and telling you this is what needs to be done. Certainly, there is an argument that if we're going to get change or if people are going to change, where else do we start but in the home and with the people we love the most, the people that will understand that you calling them out is coming from a place of love, much more so than the person in the cinema he thinks you're just trying to ruin their enjoyment of their life. <laughs> Calling out is uh, it's not going to be, it's never going to be easy. But I do think the letter is the best advice if it really matters, if it's something that is you've been wrestling with for some time. I don't know if face-to-face is the best way to do it. I reflected on this a lot before, during and after the episode. And certainly I feel that maybe at Christmas we do have to turn a blind eye and wait for sober heads, literally and figuratively, to prevail. And maybe there will be a moment, and you'll know it when it presents itself, to say, you know that thing you were saying about X? Well, I'm not really okay with that. I know this. I don't know if this makes me a prude or if I'm forcing my will upon you there's millions of ways to qualify it uh, but again it's completely up to you but i do i do stand by uh, everything i said and a lot of what i heard in this episode really gave me a lot of hope a lot of your emails mean an awful lot it certainly contributes to the conversation and where we go with it as i say the show is a crowd-funded crowd-supported and crowd-created podcast let's face it we wouldn't be having these conversations if it wasn't for you so get in touch irishmanabroadpodcast at gmail.com or via our patreon feed where you can get all that beautiful bonus content patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad there's even videos up there of our previous episodes with deborah francis white I hope uh, you'll do that, because without it, we we won't be able to continue. Uh, maybe head over to iTunes, rate, comment, and subscribe to the show to help us climb the charts. But uh, I am really delighted that uh, this is where we are at Christmas, six episodes into this brand new series, with lots and lots to come in 2019. Come with me for the ride. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks a lot again to my guests, Eleanor Tiernan, Sophie Hagen, Kevin McGarren. Seek out their work. There are links to them in the info for this episode. Three amazing talents who gave of their time and energy so willingly. Really, really grateful to them. Thanks to Kyle Cotter for his research. Uh, for Brian Connolly for his always great production on the show. To everyone at the Other Palace Theatre to all the audience that came on the night and you of course for downloading rating commenting and subscribing see you next time for another episode of men behaving better
thinking of a master plan. Death with the record, death with the record, thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hands. So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent. So I get deep up, still coming up for Lent. So I start my mission, leave my residence, thinking how I could I get some dead presidents. I need money. I used to be a stick up kid, so I think of all the devious things I did. I used to roll up, roll up, roll up. I used to roll up, roll up. Roll up. Roll up. Roll up.